Paper boy? <laughs> Paper, yeah. yeah. It's our time. <gasps> One love. Thank you for that epic intro. Of course. Well, that's uh, that's my intro all the time. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know if you know. It's but... like walking around with a band with you all the time, like in your pocket. Kind of. <laughs> Paper, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's like walking around with Paperboy with you in your pocket. That's even more crazy. Kind of like a band, though. I am like a band cheerleader mascot all rolled in one cheerleader for everyone i feel like a whole cheerleading team a whole cheerleading team whole band a whole mascot i like where you're going with that yeah it's really blessed just just tell me one thing yes why paperboy uh so my name is paperboy prince paperboy love prince also known as a lot of people know me as paperboy the prince or paperboy prince of the suburbs um which is all my names all accurate all <laughs> accurate um yes why that name is that yeah. so i actually don't go by paperboy singular um i go by paperboy prince now mm-hmm. i used to this is actually maybe my first time ever speaking on this but now i mainly go by paperboy prince mm-hmm. i don't know why um it's just kind of the vibe changed. You changed. I mean, I changed my Instagram handle after like 10 years recently. Wow. It's like it just there was a shift. And we were like, you know what? That's not my name. That's not my name. Exactly. But <laughs> it's like it still is, you know, Paperboy Prince of the Suburbs was my original and like purposeful long name. That way, you know, mm-hmm. when folks, you know, and it still is. And I do have stuff under that. But uh, I kind of want to move more stuff under Paperboy Prince for now and um yeah but and paperboy love prince so my middle name is love as well legally my my legal name so i'm also you know i run for office on all this stuff and legally my name is paperboy love prince so when folks voted for me for congress or mayor this uh last year you know it's paperboy love prince and when they vote for you again it's gonna be paperboy love prince but paperboy came from your first job as a paper boy. Yes. So I was a paper boy. I was a paper boy. And I just love tell me your first job stories. It's like my favorite question to ask people. And like the fact that like your first job influenced you so much that it's like literally painted on the wall behind us. Wow. Like I just think that's so special. Wow. That's come on, talk about it. We really came up. We went from Yeah. Being a paperboy, it's like you said, it's on, it's on the walls, it's on the, you know, on the gram, like on our jewelry, like on our everything, on our neon signs, the mural outside, right? The 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 love tank, oh my goodness, in neon pink, it says it exactly. So, um, yeah, I was a paperboy, and I was actually like the best paperboy. I was getting paperboy of the year. What? Yeah, not paperboy of the year, paperboy of the month. They would give you a special paperboy bag. Oh that's my like a, god! That, that was a big bag that you could throw papers out of, and it was like, but the paperboy of the month bag basically had like a bunch of like cool colors and stars on it, and it said paperboy of the month. And I actually had the opportunity to get it. Well, the first time, I don't know if they gave it to me by accident. No, it was I, not an accident. No, you know, there's no way. But I got it. And then I eventually, I was, so I was really good. And my brother did it with me. My dad did too. Um, you know, I'm so young that yeah. my dad did it. 
with us, uh, like drove us around. That's sweet. Um, but you know, my brother was just as much as a paperboy as me. But he's like, but no offense to your brother, like he was no paperboy of the month. Well, he was because <laughs> we were doing it together. Like we were literally, we had the same route because it was so many papers that like it literally was child slavery for like one kid to have oh all God. of that. It was a lot of work yeah. at that time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, us but, doing it. But what was your, like, how old were you? I was maybe, I was maybe by this time, ah, that's a good question. Middle school, elementary school, okay, so maybe like, early high school. I'm not sure. Okay. Now I have to actually like. That's young, but that's still like, really young. Yeah. So like you were like, I'm delivering the paper. What did the paper mean to you at the time? Were you like, I'm delivering the truth or I'm just delivering like the comics? I'm delivering the, what were you in your mind? Like, what did that mean? Um, you know, at first it was cool to have a job. Mm-hmm. And to be a part of something that's like important, that felt important, you know, like the newspaper, the Wall Street Journal, right? That was a paper, yes, that um, I got my hands on often. Mm. Um, you know, there was other newspapers and like you know local newspapers that kind of were like super cool because they just had like super hyper local things in them which is like super cool. Um, yeah, I mean, right behind me, I do have this. This is an article of me on the Wall Street Journal. Oh my gosh, that's Journal. so full circle. I know, um, which is like, that's super cool. You know, one of the, the local papers that I uh, had delivered to is like went out of business a while ago. Um, yeah, I know. So, but- it would have been great to like yeah. even do something like but what a lifespan exactly i mean it went out of business probably not too long after i was a paper boy there wow or maybe we got absorbed into some other thing but like, oh that'd be so big media if that happened you know maybe they've done some stuff on me i don't know but um yeah. but that that's a really gorgeous origin story thank you for sharing yes paper yeah and then my first mixtape the paper route which is a classic so yeah a lot of stuff a lot of paper imagery i do it less now but um that's because when we get back to doing it we're gonna do it big paper yeah it's our time one love and i'm so happy to be here on the speaking podcast with brie and, you know, we got some dope stuff coming. Check out my podcast, the Paperboy Prince podcast on all streaming platforms. We also got the Love Gallery, the paperboyprince.com love gallery, the one and only. You've seen it in Rolling Stone, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times. And uh, we're here at 1254 Myrtle Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Come through. We got dope vibes, events, cannabis, the coolest fashion you can find. And then, yeah, the Paperboy Prince music out now. Merch at paperboyprince.com. And uh, I'm running for Congress. I'm, I'm promoting all this stuff. I'm, to say. I'm running really for busy. Congress. Yeah. <laughs> running for Congress right now, this year here in New York City. So if you want to be a part of that or find out more, uh, go to my website, 
paperboyprints.com or find me on Instagram at paperboytheprints. Uh, we're we're swagging, man. We we got we really have a whole new style. Am I right? Hell yeah, I love it. It's awesome. Hey, she even got. We didn't say you. She even got on this episode some beautiful glitter going on. Bree's wearing face glitter. That's how in the spirit I am of being <laughs> with Paperboy Love. It's undeniable. Ah, paper, yeah. I love that. So you went from Paperboy delivering the news to an intern with the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Supreme Court. So it's almost like you've been planting these seeds, you've been watching them grow, and you can't help but you know turn into the flower of the conversation of politics. Yeah, you know, my um, parents were very focused on me learning and having different experiences um, with sports, with spirituality, with uh, politics, with activism, with um, myself as a person, with family, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things, traveling. So, and um, yeah, like, we just got, got into that. And I ended up doing a bunch of outside of even like the internship because the internship actually, I didn't get to spend the most time on Capitol Hill in the internship, mm. but I did at more so like off site offices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but there were like different programs that I was in that were like kind of like, after school programs or like summer programs where like you're doing like three weeks on Capitol Hill and I was just wow, there every really? day doing Well you grew up so close to DC, right? So that was that there like... was a period of time where I was living close to DC and then um my mom and dad went to college there. That's mm. where they met. Aww. And so they have a bunch of friends that are also live and work there. Yeah. I don't even know how they know all the, you know, I don't yeah. know how my parents know their friends. How but we even know I'm, I'm, friends, I'm about honestly. to sit here and like make up why, how I know. I don't know how they know Not their from friends. Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> they, and they, you know, they have whatever network or contacts. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I just found my way into that. And it's, that stuff is interesting. I wish I even knew the names of these programs. Like this, this I know. Time, I, I want to ask you. Like, I want to know. Like, in, like, did your like best friend and like next door neighbor go with you? Like, how? Like, when? Maybe my parent. Like, if I looked really hard through stuff, maybe I'd be able to find. But like, I took less pictures and videos then because it was like less yeah. of that time, you know. And but I, I know there's pictures and videos of this stuff. I haven't really did oh, the time of so like wild digging. To see. Yeah. But I was like doing a bunch of like mock like mock like, Congress sessions and mock like wow. uh different types of things like this. And I was like there often. Like I remember being literally in on Capitol Hill. And you were like, I wanna do this when I grow up. I was like, I definitely don't want to do this when I grow up. Wow. Yeah. But I was like it's cool to like see it all going on. I mean, I, I wanted to be adjacent to it though. I did want to do something adjacent professional. Mm -hmm. 
adjacent to mm-hmm. it. I was not interested in being an artist, but I did didn't see myself being a politician. That felt very right pomp and circumstance. Yeah, more, outdated. Uh, yeah, I felt like, but I knew something relating to that. I was like, oh, this is going to be great knowledge for something else I'm doing in whatever. You know, yeah, wherever like the resume. wind blows me, yeah. You know, it's like a resume building thing. And you, you like know? had the intuition to be like, I this is what I'm doing with my time. Well, I was like kind of forced to be there, <laughs> but it was like, you know, oh, this would be good for your resume, you know, good on a college application type of thing. I understood that. Yeah. So, and I was like, oh yeah, this would be like good for like a college ac- application yeah. type thing, which I don't even know if I even put any of that <laughs> on a college application now, but... But yeah, and it's crazy because I use all of this heavy, yeah. heavily, yeah, heavily, like just any little tidbits. And now I've given away so much free game, like just even the first, just this talk alone to me would have been so valuable like five mm. years ago. You know what I mean? Because there's so little resources on how to actually like open source um get into government and politics right. if you're not somebody who went to the schools that are right like i grew up next to a lake so like in the summer we did lake stuff like we went to like summer camp we i didn't live near dc i didn't live near the capitol building or the white house i would never think of like spending my summer doing that because it wasn't just the proximity of it all that's so interesting i like i would love to not right now but like just hear about like all of your high school classmates i'm sure all of you just do. Oh no, no, no! They didn't. No, most people didn't do this stuff. Oh wow! Most people didn't do that stuff. So that's a short story. So it really was a special thing. It was a special. It thing. really was. Okay. It, it was like a lot of the other kids were in it. Were like bussed in from other areas. They were flown in from other states. Oh, cool! You see what I'm saying? Like there's like dorming and stuff and housing or whatever. I, I wasn't Not, dorming yeah. with them, but it was like a good opportunity. Like they were working for other people. Other Congress people oh, for so other amplified states, for you and they're that, like, flying yeah. in from there. I'm like, since it's closer, it's easier for me. Or people, you know what I mean? Yeah. But this is people coming in from Kentucky, from Illinois, from Pennsylvania, all trying to be it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's the nation's capital, so there, <laughs> there may be your kids who really care about that. Or yeah. Want a contest at their school or whatever? I don't. I don't even <laughs> remember. You know, I can't. I. I don't have a solid thing but yeah this is the okay. i'm just painting the scene for you so i like it well let's fast forward to 2022 please and and let me know because i'm a rambler so i, let, I let mean me know, or if you if you want to give me a secret signal too you can okay i'll like i'll think of a secret signal when i do it and you'll just like know that i right 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 you can then. just be like yeah yeah, he's gesturing, just so everyone knows he's gesturing. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta let them know, gotta let them know. Gotta let them know, they can't see it. I, I was trying to let, not let them know, but you want to let them know. I like I that. I think being transparent is super important. Ha, <laughs> paper, yeah. So moving to 2022. 2022, the last few years, you have been incredibly active in the Brooklyn community. Your headquarters, the Love Brooklyn. Gallery. Mm-hmm. Your headquarters, the Love Gallery in Bushwick. It's a place for community meetings, and it's also where you do weekly food distribution, um, which is popping. Feels like it's like really busy. It's really abundant. That's amazing. We're here now. We're recording here. We are recording at the Love Gallery right now. I wish you all were here because it's like just the most gorgeous, bright space ever. Um, but Paperboy, you've really become a cornerstone in this community and beyond being a presence 
in the community, you're also advocating for an entire generation of millennials and Gen Z who are just tearing up the rule book on identity and compassion and norms. And um, I just, I've been hearing about you for years. I've seen the love tank bus come through my neighborhood. I've seen your fashion. I mean, I've always felt like, thank God there's someone willing to be the face and the voice of this version of the political future in New York City. Thank you. I appreciate that. I I appreciate that. Wow. Is this thing on? Are we recording? It, I, I keep getting nervous that I, we're, we're going to like at the end of this, like none of it recorded. Yeah. I mean, you, if you, for those of you listening at home, we're still uh, killing Marie it. does this thing where she does not put a charger on your computer, which to me, no, I'm hundred percent charged before I left all day. I put it on the charger, but that's why, but that's why, but I, my thought is to keep it on the charger to keep it, even working stronger. No, because if you keep things on the charger for too long, they become dependent on the charger and their battery doesn't last as long when you're not using so it. So my thought is when you're doing like a thing uh, like yeah. this though, to keep it on. But I think less wires, the better. I wouldn't want a wire for the mic and a wire for the charger because a, I'll trip. Right. Um, and B, <laughs> I'll definitely trip. Tripping like, is good enough. So no, hard. I love it. I love it. I think it's worth noting because to me, that's interesting. I'm a person that would like, just out of safety have my charger on but i'm also a person that i, I would have like 30 percent like yeah you know what i mean so i like to travel need... lightly and just like prepare heavily maybe mm-hmm. i like that i thought of it just now oh thank you that is so that's what we call that um when you have things that come to you is called um it's not clairvoyance it's it's uh, not not it's called claire Ah, ah, man, I, I'm going to skip over because I don't want to sit here and think of the word, but it's a beautiful Email word. Email me. It's a beautiful word that starts with Claire something in it. Because there's like a few, there's a Claire Audio, Clairvoyance, Claire, there's like one for scent. Yes, the, yes. All, all of the yes, things. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but before we realized and double checked all of the technical things, we were just speaking about you and the Brooklyn community. Yes. So with that, they said that we couldn't do it, but you see, we did. Not a daddy, but the politician, my kids. Hopped out the water. I look like a squid. You got us on the ballot. Now we about to win. Oh, shit. <laughs> Over your head, like some overhead lighting. Giving out hugs and kisses. No, I'm not fighting. I'm spreading love. I don't care if you like it. They see my style. They also, they're biting. Diamonds like lightning. Plus, I'm enlightened. Sounding fake. It's a script they're reciting. What happens next? Suspense is heightened. Want me in a cage of kids with biting. I'm eating good, might get the itis. My name in their mouth like gingivitis. It's our time, you think I'm psychic. Moves like a hero, ain't got a sidekick. <laughs> paper, yeah, it's our time. Thank you so much. You know, that's uh from my song, Running for Mayor. But when I set out to make a difference in this world, I knew that I wanted to create a utopia. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of creating a utopia. Nothing less. You know, right now I'm working on helping a lot of brands, um, uh, small businesses, and some of the biggest businesses in, in the world at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I tell them the same thing that I tell everybody that's working with me. We want to have the biggest mission possible. Mm-hmm. We're working on the local level, like you said, like day to day with 
you know, real people on our block. Mm -hmm. But we're also working on the international level, the intergalactic level as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want to have the biggest mission possible. Um, and that mission is spreading love to the world in all ways. Uh, and, you know, and that's the same thing that I tell brands. It's the same thing that I tell people. That's our rallying cry, having this this large mission and that mission of a utopia where we can create a better world. If we're doing anything less than that, then what are we doing? You know, if somebody tells you, you want to have, I hope you have an okay day. It's like, dang, that's the best you want for me. Like, right. yo, I hope you have a great day. Yeah. It's like, hey, all right, if you have an okay day, cool. But like, we want to fight for you to have a great day. I want this to be a great life, a great city, a great mm -hmm. time that we're in. And so uh, me being an advocate for that through style, through art, through fashion, through our advocacy and through politics and then through social media, you know, influencing in a way that's like new and cutting edge. And yeah. like a lot of people talk about doing things and being an artist and doing it with a, um, you know, wanting to have an impact and giving back, but they do it in a boring way mm -hmm. or they're doing it in a non-innovative way or they do it in a way that like Susan B. Anthony was doing it. Like, you know what I'm saying? They're not doing it in the futuristic way, which is like what I'm the pioneer of. And like, you know, um, sometimes it takes longer to knock down those doors when you're doing it, doing things, uh, breaking down barriers, you right. know what I mean? Creating your own lane. Like, I love that you uh, run without the Democrat Party, without the Republican Party. You are your own party. Yes. I also have run as a Democrat Copy, as well. But because New York is such a Democrat city, I've run as a Democrat to do that and that actually talk that's i'm glad that you brought that up because that's one of the main ways that we do things as like an advocate that's like playing within the system and uh deconstructing it while being outside of the system and constructing this new world at the same time yeah and like yeah. using our deconstruction of inside right. of it's the like system playing a game without losing your outside. soul yeah it's like walking a really fine line of being like i'll give you fuckers this fine i'll run under a party but like i don't mean it <laughs> exactly yeah exactly like well i appreciate this timeline you've you've taken us down this amazing trajectory hey um but today we are specifically going to speak about Frank James. Frank James is the man who allegedly planned and executed the subway attack on Tuesday, April 12, 2022. He brought a bomb and a gun onto the MTA and shot 22 rounds, shooting 10 people and injuring about a dozen others. What's incredible about this situation is that nobody died. So it's a very rare moment that the general public is going to be able to take a step back and focus on the person who did the crime and why rather than being wrapped up in mourning and grief of victims. Um, I went to Mr. James' arranged arraignment last week, and I've been researching a bit of his history. And what's really stood out to me is his sister made a statement to the Times, the New York Times, that her brother is not mentally ill. And I heard a lot of people say, well, his sister said he's not mentally ill, so he must just be fine. He's just angry. And I'm like, why? Just because someone says someone's not mentally ill, that's like that's just face value. Like, let's get deeper. And I guarantee, like, this man, his mom passed away when he was four. Like, he's at least depressed. And like, when is since when is depression not a mental illness? And why are we just assuming that someone who's had pretty much 
no medical care is just going to be dismissed as being fine. Like, where did we go wrong with this, with, with this person and like with people who grieve and need mental health, mental health care in underserved neighborhoods? He was born in the Bronx, moved around a lot, lived in poverty, lives in Philly now. Hmm. That's a very, there's a lot of ways to go with that question. So let me ask you this. What way do you want me to go? Oh, or, or what, what, what when you you hear, when you hear that his sister said, my brother's not mentally ill, Mm -hmm. do you go, oh, then he just wasn't mentally ill. Or do you say, oh, let's like, did he ever have a therapist? Oh, did he did he ever feel loved and safe? Like, are you going to think about it? Or are you going to say, oh. You know what? That's a good place to start. I would, my thought on this is this. Uh, mental illness is a very, like, it's a term that's almost losing its mm-hmm. uh, meaning. His weight, yeah. Like, mental illness and mental health. Like, mm-hmm. they're almost losing their meaning because they've become so. Self-care. Commercialized yeah. that it doesn't, it like, almost like. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like even crazy is a word that has been used and like that, like uh, even like retarded, uh, you know, right. I'm saying that in the in the You're context of us, this, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. Of like that used to be a word that was used around things and now it's mental health and mil- mental illness and there's been that evolution, but mental health has kind of lost what the meat of that means, what the meat of uh, mental illness means and- uh, so that's the first thing, and the stigma around that is real. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I did not see what exactly the the daughter said. So I'm taking your word for his it. His sister, yeah. His sister said, "I'm sorry." So I'm taking your word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that uh, when it comes to mental health and mental illness, basically we live in a society where it's almost like how can you live in society and not go crazy? Mm. Especially in cities like major East Coast cities like New York, Philadelphia, DC, uh, unit Boston, mm-hmm. um, mm. Pittsburgh, right? How can you not right, go crazy? Right, when the financial aspects of things like will take something that's already difficult, like a bad day and just like make it way worse because like the financial impacts of these big cities. Exactly. Is- um And then as a black person, a black man in these cities, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's designed for you to go crazy. Like the, you know, to step back for a second, the education systems, right? Right. Are so bad. I mean, they're designed to make sure that you have mental health issues you're like put into a box, right? Where you don't, and and the, the the reason I'm highlighting this is because most people in humanity didn't live life this way. Right, and I can't speak on it because I am a white girl and right. I like, right. right. But even as like this part I'm talking about, even is like still like no matter your race, gender or whatever, most people in humanity didn't live life this way as far as like traditional public schools, what they mm-hmm. are and even private schools, like, most people in life did not live that way, right? Mm-hmm. This is like a new thing in the last like hundred years. Yeah. Like this, the school yard and the the, the school building, um, even that. Most of schooling before that, people were like just in 
one like, room. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it crazy? Like the other day, I actually tweeted about this. I said, it's wild 100 years ago. It was everyone in one room. And in 50 years, are we going to go, oh my God, gym teachers? Like, I just like, was like, why did we do that? They were always really creepy, but that's not the point of what we're talking about right so, now. But, but to the point to bring it back to mental health is that it's all a social experiment, right? Yeah. And like, who tests the people giving us tests? How regularly are they test? And who's reviewing their work? You know what I mean? Who are their boss? And who's testing? Who's testing the people who are testing us? And like, what are they testing for? And you know what I'm saying? Like, who's auditing the test that they're doing? And where are the best teachers teaching? And why are all the best teachers in like one area, not another? And how come all the newbies go to the schools that like need the most help? Because like, that's where the experiments like say. like. And like, even that is like, yes to that, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, yes to that part. Like, the, the, as far as the the quality of teachers, quality of the supplies mm. uh, and facilities and all of that, safety of the school. But the real issue is just that how school is done is just really bad. It just yeah. needs to be completely redone. And like, but specifically for uh, black people um, and black men, most teachers that are teaching now aren't qualified to teach black. Uh, most, well... I would say a lot of there's a lot of white teachers teaching black children that like need a lot more education. Do you to think teach that you children. could? Do you think- I want to get that statement out clear though, like that there's a lot of white teachers mm-hmm. teaching black children that need um, more education around before being able to teach black children. Because what happens is there's these programs when you were saying the best teachers go to these schools and the newbies, what happens is they get a, you know, a well-meaning young uh, white person from a, that has grown up in a predominantly white area that maybe has had a good education and went to a good school and wants to come and wants to do well in an area, but because of their lack of knowledge of the social interactions of that neighborhood of just the lifestyle of that person they can not only end up um, miseducating a person but criminalizing a person and and criminalizing a family and this happens often where because somebody doesn't understand the family they go and and will end up like sending the mom to jail and all right. this stuff you know what i mean and the school to prison pipeline literally is like a I, whole thing yeah. like that's not something i came up with that's a whole no. thing where it's like the, it it's easy to talk about like the people who go from uh, third grade and that they use that to see how many beds they need and prisons for projections. It's easy to talk about that school to prison pipeline, but it, people talk less about the teachers and social workers that you know turn in parents and they end up going to prison instead of just getting the help that they need. You know, like there's the mom who um, there's just so like I can't remember what it was. So I don't want to say it wrong, but there's a lot of situations like this. And this ends up becoming we criminalize these folks instead of giving them love. (laughs) Paper, yeah, it's our time, you know. So I'm still very optimistic, even in this situation. And um, because it allows us to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. It allows us to have this important conversation around mental health and, um, you know, make it real because, you know, we talked about it being trivialized, mental health being trivialized and 
all the words around it. And uh, I had a tweet where I said, like, you know, folks talk about like therapy and all of these things, but like when you actually try to get therapy, it's like not easy. Right. You know, they talk about therapy like it's like drinking water or something. Right. Like it's, it's like super so accessible. Yeah. It's very expensive. It's not included with a lot of health plans and a lot of healthcare plans. It's hard to find or a therapist. Or it's like group therapy and it's like that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. It's something, but it's not the same thing. It's hard to find a therapist that works for you that takes time. And then the other side of it is going through therapy I mean, going through therapy takes time. Like actually doing that healing process mm -hmm. takes longer than a lot of physical right. healing. It's not that just like a, three months of therapy. Right. It's, it's like, like a four or five year. Like you need to get in therapy. Yeah. That's like a four or five year process. Bro. Yeah. Like, the person is still going to be dating while they're in therapy. They're still going to be getting a job while they're in therapy, still interacting with family and while they're Practicing in therapy. Practicing their new habits. Yeah. Right. Like there's that, like there's that. And then there's the other side of like the, like, like therapy being a scam, which we I want to talk about Frank James, but like that's a part of it too. Like a lot of some of the people who are have some of the heaviest mental health issues are folks who have been in the mental health uh, care system, mm -hmm. you know, the, or, or the lack thereof in our mental health care system. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so there's a lot of it. When I say therapy being a scam, I mean like. You know, the same way how people say that the healthcare system is overpriced and they price gouge and the American healthcare system takes advantage of uh, Americans that need healthcare. Mm -hmm. The same thing is happening in the therapy world oh, where folks will percent. just keep you on this same wheel to just keep bleeding you for money. You know for what like I mean? $300 a right? week. It's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why solve your problems if you're a rich dude that's going to keep writing the checks? Or if you're a poor person that has uh, right. some government program that's going to keep the checks coming. Like, we want to find more ways we can get people hooked on this because it's literally, yeah. you know. But, and I, there's people who are, go there and they want to do a good job. I'm not coming against the therapist, but again, these healthcare systems are capitalist in nature, mm -hmm. designed to make as much money as possible mm -hmm. quarter after quarter, year after year. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of like the thing with that. But, um, you know, as it relates to, to, specifically Frank James in this situation, there's such a lack of a public healthcare system, right? Uh, when you talk about COVID, COVID exposed that New York City does not have a public healthcare system. Um, when you talk about Frank James, it exposed that we do not have a public healthcare system that has a mental healthcare aspect. In a city where there are just to be blunt, crazy people running around, literally. Oof, I mean, literally. like, and I'm not saying that, like, to minimize it. I mean, to say we're in a dire straits right now. Like, you walk outside and the people who look like they, and I, I people who you think look like they wouldn't have, uh, any reason or any urge to do something that they shouldn't do. I say crazy because it's madness. Yeah. Like what's happening in the city is madness. And I said earlier that like the city is designed to drive you crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And <laughs> like that word, specifically that cr word crazy, not neurodivergent, not, um, you know, like mentally ill, like legitimately crazy. They yeah. want you like this, like cartoon version of crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that, like, because they want people living in fear 
Um, and that gives them a reason for you to need them, mm-hmm. you know, because with the, these yeah. breakdowns in the system help to justify that $10 billion NYPD budget. I mean, budget. Uber, like the day that the subway shooting happened, Uber rides in that neighborhood were, went from $20 to $60 during those like few hours. Like any, they capitalize on these. Right. And like now you can, the fact that these companies can price gouge literally by the second. A bit from fear because people were so afraid. They're, they're like, oh, they're afraid. They're, they would pay anything to get out of there. That's like really disheartening. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and all of that money circling around because forget Uber for a second. Let's talk about us, our own tax dollars, right? And again, mm-hmm. Paperboy Prince, I ran for mayor. We didn't really cover this, but it's relevant because I ran for mayor. I was in several conversations with the mayor, Eric Adams. I text the mayor, Eric Adams, often. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have, a, I'll, I'll show you offline. But we had, you know, I won't show you actually, but <laughs> I was like, wait, I, just, I won't show you. But, you know, I talked to the mayor um, and before he was mayor, uh, I, you know, in these forums, I was in these forums sharing these ideas, talking about our plans, putting them into the ether, taking the stuff that we were seeing in real life here at the Love Gallery and in the uh, city around on the Love Tank and putting that into the conversation for how the future mayor of the city would run it. And, yeah. you know, Eric Adams was sitting there while I'm talking what about does Love Eric Centers. Like, what does Eric like about you and your brand? Because I feel like he probably has a list of things he really likes. You know what? You'd have to ask the, him that. But I will say that, you know, the first time that we met in person, he said he said my slogan wrong, but he said it. He said, ha, 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 I'm paper boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, he was feeling good. So. But, you know, my my point in bringing that up is not to name drop, not to political name drop, but it's to actually say that, you know, they had a, I talked about these ideas Mm -hmm. beforehand. Mm -hmm. They know about them. They Mm -hmm. know they exist. They might not have um, the processes in place to adequately process information quickly. But you planted the seed. But. But we talked about it. And not only that, the people showed it. The New Yorkers, over 66,000 New Yorkers voted for those ideas, right? I got over Mm -hmm. 66,000 votes in the mayor election for the New York City mayor. So my point in saying that is to say they know that we need a better mental health care system, but they'll just say it and don't want to use it to to help people, they want to use it to help get companies money. Yeah. So if Frank James happens, that makes it easier to say, hey, the NYPD, we need all new mm-hmm. metal detectors at every station. And that's going to be a big project that's going to cost probably, that sounds like at least a billion dollars. <laughs> right? That's yes. that. I mean, yes. I don't know how much that costs. Well, that's- I mean, you know, of the 10,000 MTA cameras, only three of them do not work. And one of them is the station where the incident happened. Right. According to them. Yeah. According according, according to them. Which, if that's true, then that's like a, a whole camera, you know, restart, refresh. Potentially that. I mean, there's so many things that like, 
can you know be done and justified mm-hmm. to throw money at and basically what that's the thing and the first thing that they throw money at is traditional law enforcement like oh yeah we need more cops in the thing because that's gonna save it yeah da, da, we need more cops on the street and like that isn't what does it no. you know it's we need uh to invest in people beforehand we need to really be proactive and like anytime you are doing stuff like metal detectors and all these other things and uh more cops and stuff that's reactive but when we're proactive and getting ahead of the curve and reaching people beforehand if instead of having metal detectors you have uh, depression detectors you have hurt Mm. detectors you see yo you got people there like anybody need help anybody need help with anything like we can help you connect you to social services and if there isn't a service that exists we have an office for that that helps people that fall between the cracks like why aren't we doing that we have a city that is doing that we have we have a city where people need help. We have something like the subways that exist where people are going into them every day where we can have a, a real touch point, you know, uh, to actually see what's going on with folks and at least make more of an effort, mm-hmm. you know, to reach them and, and find creative ways to uh, boost the public health of folks. Um, I mean, we do. I do my performances, my street performances, my public art and you know one comment i've gotten from a lot of voters and community members they say is like yo i would see you performing when i get off of work and it just brought such a smile to me i might be having a bad day oh i work, totally agree like i saw your smile yeah i will never forget the first time i saw the love tank the love bus and i was like it was middle of the pandemic or I mean no the beginning of the pandemic we thought it was the middle it was just the beginning <laughs> and i was like well, everything looks gray. And then, like, there was, like, a rainbow bus across the park. And I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be fine. Yes, yes. You know, um, shout out to the the, the homie Michelle Joni. And, uh, yeah, we had that bus pop in. And then, you know, the it's a lot of things that public art can do to help boost public health. But that's just one thing that I'm giving an example for that should be a part of a much larger plan right, for but- boosting public health and mental health of folks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's not just pharmaceuticals. It's not just art. It's not just therapy. It's literally a whole entire uh, system that needs to be yeah. created to help people. And one of those things is going to be is that it starts with is having the conversation. Right. And also let's talk about spending money in aesthetics. If you have an opportunity to see, a, I mean, I'm speaking like really lightly here, but like a love bus or like social security office, that's like, no one's cleaning it. There's like cockroaches. It's like gross. Like it's not the vibe. It's depressing. The lights are broken. And then you have a, like a gorgeous group of like shimmering humans dancing on a neon bus like where would you tell your sad community to go exactly exactly and that's why one of my things when i ran for mayor one of my things yeah one of my things man (laughs) one of my things things. one of my uh platforms one Mm. of my policy platforms was cooler buildings right and like it's worded that way purposefully we yeah. want cooler buildings like whoa buildings that make you stop and say well that's a cool building yeah because you know, right now 
uh, and when we talked about before my time in DC and being there, and one thing that always stuck out to me was the dreariness of the architecture. One, I mean, they copy, they completely try to copy Paris <laughs> and, and France with a lot of the uh, architecture here in New York City and the, the streets and, and as, as well as in DC and in Boston. Totally in DC, yeah. But um, there's no, like, wait, so we spent, $10 million in this building, you couldn't put no color on it. You couldn't... Right, and you could like see where something was patched up and you're just like, what year is it? Like it, like 1940 or 2022? Because like, I want to see some, like whenever I see a bright building, first of all, any bright painted building in New York City is going on Instagram and going viral within like a few hours. Like that shows how much we like really crave just a different aesthetic, like a different vibe, like a different... Right, and then there's... uh. <laughs> Now they have like the glass buildings. There's that whole craze like in Manhattan everywhere. Yeah. There's the glass buildings with like they made that those freaks gray. Me out. Also, like I don't want to see your fucking couch well, legs. Right, you can see the whole building and stuff. I can see what's under your couch yeah. from your window apartment. Like that, I want to just see paint. And that is like I get it, the glass, but even that, it looks gray. Like on the outside, yeah. it looks gray. Like you can't give. I want architecture that speaks to me. Like that inspires me that mm -hmm. like, like that doesn't depress me. It doesn't make me feel like I'm in a dystopian place that, you know right. what I mean? And like when they're oh, too tall, then I just like get stressed out. And I look I'm at so them. glad you said that. Cause that was the next thing I was going to say, which is like, um, this is a whole larger conversation, but I mean, bless, uh, I don't even know you well enough to really get into some of this, but I will say this, like, because I can't say too much, mm -hmm. but, and on my podcast, we cover conspiracies and we go into it. Like we go there because of. Okay, I, that's, that's interesting because like. But know. I want to say this real quick about the tall buildings that you just said. They purposefully have the buildings tall, right? And it's like tied in with spirituality and all this stuff. But they purposely have the buildings tall to block out the sun. If you're ever in Manhattan in uh, downtown, right? You can't get any sun. I know. The buildings are so tall that they block bad, the sun, right? Bad, if yeah. you're there. Um, because they block the... They're so close to each other, so tall that you can't get any sun. You could be in Manhattan in the summer, and it can be chilly in certain uh, places if it's windy enough, and there's like, you know, because there's so much shade. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I just, like, I'm getting chills. Like, I know where you're going, and I'm just like, oh, right. my God. Don't worry. I'm not going to take it all. I, we'll see if I'll take it all over there. But, but the quick point I'm making with this is to say... They have these tall buildings in Manhattan to block the sun. This is seen as the height of civilization. They would call this a advanced society, right? Mm -hmm. They call this an advanced society. <laughs> and and um, a society where maybe there's grass and trees and people uh, closer to animals and uh, fruit and growing their food is maybe considered a third world society, right? Mm -hmm. Third world, first world. Um the buildings here in Manhattan, a mile away from where we are sitting right now in the Love Gallery, block the sun. You know that you need that vitamin D and that you need the sun for happiness. You need sunlight. Plants need sunlight. Animals need sunlight. Uh, our food needs sunlight. We, we humans, we literally need sunlight. Now, we need it in a specific way, but we do need sunlight. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 pausing to say like you know when you talk I'm talking about this is designed to yeah, keep us mentally this way and like 
a big part of this. Uh, we talked about the schools some and how like, you know, the school to prison pipeline and how the socialization there, uh, kind of how they socialize you in schools to think a certain way, how, you know, most people haven't, through history, haven't gone to school the way that we've gone to school. Um, so I'm, I'm building a, how there's this whole system of ways to make you think a certain way to make sure that you obey because it's very hard to control so many people, especially in a city like New York, right? There's so many people here, over 9 million people. It's hard to control 9 million people. Even with a $10 billion police force, it's still hard to control that many people. So you have to, uh, you can't control people's bodies. So you have to control their minds, right? And so we're literally all consistently living under mind control. The way that we went to school, like like I said, we haven't went to school this long. You're taught to 30 people to sit in a room and obey this one person who tells you what to do, right? And you move when the bell dings, you move, right? Um, you're taught to be obedient. And if you go out of that, you have ADD, you have ADHD, you're diagnosed. Who's hyper-diagnosed with these things are black boys right mm -hmm. and when we talk about the school to prison pipeline again um this didn't exist some of the even with the racist uh jim crow laws and the racist laws in this country that were just naturally written by slave owners and uh, slave owning judges and all these things still uh the mass incarceration didn't exist pre-1970s um in a way that it does now in America. And what spurred that mass incarceration was capitalism. Mm -hmm. Because pe folks being able to have private prisons, folks being able to you know, make money off of all of this stuff, that mass incarceration being spurred by the capitalism. So my point in saying that is like, what, did people just start getting badder over the last 50 years or something? Or was it like the government decided, oh snap, we need to, get more heavy handed with control. Yeah. So let's, uh, you know, enforce mass incarceration. Let's do this broken windows policing. Let's do this, um, you know, tough on crime in the cities and all of these type of things. Joe Biden, the 94 uh, crime bill, all of these things happening. Like, you know, this is all by design. Like yeah. this is all by specific, specific design. So someone like, um, Frank James uh, gets caught in the middle of that, gets caught in the crosshairs of that. And he sees it happening. Like the, the hardest part of that, about it is a lot of people see it, but they can't, um, they can't put it into words. They can't like vocalize what's going on. And even if they can, who do they feel like they can speak to? Right. And the state feels so powerful. When I say the state, I'm talking about the army, the Navy, the police department, the uh the government the school system the healthcare system like the movies tv white people like it feels so powerful like in a like when you just are feel like a one person when it's like uh united states versus uh i don't know like john doe like it feels so big so it doesn't even feel like something you can fight against. You feel hopeless. And that's exactly what they want. They want you to feel like you can't fight against it and it's not worth it. So that's a big way that they even quell any opposition. But the 
irony is, is that nothing gets done. No type of advancement happens on behalf of the people without the opposition. And right. that advancement of the people is inherently good for the government and for the system to continue. Yeah. Yeah. But because the government and the system is not for the people and it's actively eating itself and, and it's capitalist, it w- w- does not want what the people want. And it's such a slow turning ship to do anything that in that in-between time is all these growing pains and things like that, that, that happen, you know? Yeah. So it's a very tricky situation. And that's why when I talk about the love centers, that's why when I talk about our unique ability to understand the changing times that have existed, as well as the people, right? The, the most hurt people and the most, um, like, praised people like our understanding of these people and our work with these people like put us in a unique position to actually create the blueprint and roadmap for a utopia and recovery for humanity so that's what i'm like focused on and i think that like the frank james situation is like like you said is interesting because no one is killed I think that even makes it, I mean, there's a whole conspiracy tab you can take with that, right? There's a lot of conspiracy there. Right. Like, I'm sure I haven't really delved into it at all on YouTube because he I've been so busy. He was on the FBI, like, watch list and, like, was taken off for some reason and, like, has a rap sheet that's, like, really vague. Like, they're like, why did they not give more details of, like, why this man was in trouble multiple times? So he's set up if you want to. You could definitely conspiracy hole. I saw he has a YouTube a, channel, too. Yes. Yeah. And he has, a, and it, I didn't see in the videos, but I saw this all of that. He's pretty anti-government, yeah. You know, so like, and all of that stuff to me, and the national news gets things wrong a lot. Yeah. Like usually it almost 99%. They don't even try. It's not like they get it wrong. Like they like purposely are, it's, they're not dumb. 99% of the time it doesn't go how they say just because like, you know, like the person who's reporting on it is like, they're getting it like 30th hand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the person who's like on ABC news tonight, by the time they're talking about it, they've heard of it at best case scenario. They're the 30th person, like from the eyewitness, they're like 30th in line. Yeah. Like it's that game. (laughs) Have you ever played telephone before? By the time it gets to them, you know, like by the time it gets to that person. Well, then it's like on a screen, like it's written for them. No one was like, what do you think you want to say today in the news? Or just like, you're paying me, so I'm going to read your teleprompter. But I'm saying, right, I'm saying even, exactly. And even the person who wrote for the telephone, teleprompter. like, as telephone as it gets. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Paperboy love, thank you so, so, so much. I feel like I could speak to you for um, 500,000 million more hours, but I hope that you at least let me get another hour with you again soon. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yes. Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. You know, you're welcome back here at the Love Gallery. Why wouldn't I come back? It's so nice here. You guys all need to like just take a little vacation to Bushwick and stop by. Yes. Yes. Definitely um, come back to the Love Gallery. And, uh, you know, we have some dope events coming and some like some cool podcast stuff coming. So I think that you'll be interested in. Also want to let folks know that I have a podcast, the Paperboy Prince podcast on all streaming platforms. And while you're on there, you can check out some of my music as well. Paperboy yes. Prince music. And then, um, yes, the Love Gallery is at 1254 Myrtle Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. 
and uh, we have some new merch out at paperboyprints.com. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so some new drops coming, paperboyprints.com, paperboyprints.shop, some NFTs and cool crypto projects coming that I'm mm-hmm. really excited about. So I'm so excited for you. I want to tell folks about that. And then, um, yeah, I'm running for Congress in New York 7th Congressional District. I'm running for mayor. Snap, 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 snap. Oh, well, snap, I'm not snap. running for mayor. I'm running for Congress and governor. So if you're in New York, if you want to donate or help out, hit me up my social media at Paperboy Prince on Twitter and then at Paperboy the Prince on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad I got to do this because we really talked about a lot of things that are like my main things as far as you know spreading love mental health and how that relates to everything that's going on yeah so let's let's let's, let's do it here's to hoping that every time we have this conversation there's a little bit more light light to the future of you know our community right now do you want to sign us out <laughs> paper yeah it's our time